Thank you, Lord. Well, let's turn to Romans chapter 16. And uh, man, I just really want to continue in that vein that, that we've been in here recently. Uh, of course, we took a break last week and had an awesome time with Ray. How many of you know, it was a powerful service, amen? I feel like our whole church leveled up and we all, there was just a, um, uh, uh, just a power that was released and that's the beauty of the prophetic, man. It, it really kind of accelerates and locates destiny. And so we're grateful for, for him and we love him and we'll, we'll stay in relationship with him. He calls me on a pretty regular basis. I'm really grateful for, aren't you grateful for people with pure hearts that walk in love? Amen, amen. amen. me too. And so, um, but we've started, we've started talking about just the importance of peace and maintaining peace in the times that we're living in. And, um, you know, I, you know, church is not about just coming here to learn information. It's really important to understand that this isn't just about punching your time card. How many of you know if you're born again, you're right with God, whether you came to church or not. Can I get an amen? Your right standing with God is not based upon your church attendance. And so we don't come to church to punch our time card. We don't uh, come to church to learn Bible trivia. Uh, we really want to come to church to, to, to congregate together, to love each other, to share gifts, to give and to receive. But also we want truth to come into our lives um, to change us. You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I want to change more. Like I want, I don't want, I want to be transformed. And, um, and I want my life to get better. You might want their life to get better. You know what I'm saying? And, and so like there are some elements of our lives. I'm actually cold for the first time in my life. So will you help me out just a little bit? They're like, let's see if we can get him cold because <laughs> he's always hot. <clears throat> Thank you for that. Amen. Then I get up here and I say that and I feel like a wimp because I'm complaining about it. You know, Last week he was too hot. This week he's too cold. What's wrong with him? Praise God. That's why menopause is that what it is? I didn't know. I didn't know we had that. Praise God. I ain't trying to. I don't want none of that. No thanks. No. No men. No. No men. Oh, pause for Jeremiah Johnson. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why I always wear a T-shirt when I preach because I'm hot no matter what. You know. So, anyway. Um, but I, we want to be transformed, and then and then how many know that there are some mountains that many of us have went around for a long time. And follow some of the same challenges, and and um, and a lot of times people want to get prayer for their giant, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the greatest form of victory is a renewed mind. I'm telling you right now, man. Truth is what sets the captives free. And you know, I, I used to sub subscribe to the theology that if I could just get hands laid on me enough and prayer for me enough, that I would somehow you know get free from everything that was challenging me. But how I many you know the Bible says that we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice <clears throat> and we, that our minds are to be transformed or we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so the purpose really of, of coming together is to allow some truth to come in you so that you, because how I many know there are some lies that we've believed about ourselves? And then there's some lies that we've believed about God. And so when that lie <clears throat> gets removed out of our lives and truth becomes present, there's going to be greater and greater levels of freedom. And this, is, this, this peace thing is huge. Anybody had an opportunity to try to let not your heart be troubled within the past couple weeks? Yeah. Oh, oh, dear God. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like anytime you, you get a truth, um, the enemy always tries to steal it. It's without a doubt. When, when the word of God comes, 
if, you, if, some, if an area is being preached to you in spirit and in truth, the enemy will try to steal that. And one of the ways that he tries to steal that is he gives you an experience that's contrary to the promise that you've been given. And so, because, so that you will get offended and mad at God. Well, God, Jeremiah said we're supposed to have peace. Where's my peace at? You know, or get offended um, at God or get offended at the preacher or get offended at the church or get offended in general. And how many know offense can't hold on to truth? Just because you have not experienced a promise doesn't mean that that promise is not true. It doesn't mean that it, it can't be experienced to you. Anybody ever had a hard time trying to charge your phone? And you, you were trying to charge it, but you weren't quite making the connection? And then if you finally would just make the connection, then, then you would actually, the charge would be made. And so um, there are times, the enemy doesn't want us operating in the kingdom. He doesn't want us operating in these truths. And so he tries to steal these truths out of our life. But this, this, this peace element that I'm talking about, which is a pr primary element of the kingdom, is really one of the most important things that you can walk in on your daily life. If you can maintain peace in your daily life, you're going to be confident. I said you're going to be confident. You're going to be confident. See, no human being should have the ability to make you feel less than. No person should ever have the power to take peace from you. And, and what we've learned in the scriptures is the Lord has given to us his peace. So you're not trying, if you're born again, you're not trying to get peace. You got it. It's just a matter of using it and getting skilled at it, right? And so no person should be able to rob you of peace. And I'll take it a step further. No challenge should be able to rob you of peace. No giant, no bill. No health challenge, no relationship challenge. None of these things have the power to reach into your chest and pull the piece off. In order for, for us to lose our peace, we have to, um, what's the word? We have to work together with the enemy in allowing him to steal it. See, that could rob me of peace, but it's not going to. I mean, it's simple things. It's not just big things. It's, it's, it, and honestly, as we dive into this thing, a lot of times it's not the big things that are robbing you of peace. But how many of you know sometimes when you're facing something big, you unite together? You know, like in a marriage or in a family, if somebody's facing something that's really difficult or really challenging and it's big, it causes us to kind of unite but one of the things that you have to watch out for is the scripture says it's the little foxes that, that spoil the vine. And it's the little tiny things that rob you of peace. And here's the thing. When you don't have peace and you're operating without peace, your heart is naked and open to attack. And many of us, we've spent years not operating in peace. We don't even know what it's like to operate in peace. And then you, you come... And, and the way that peace is restored into somebody's life is the gospel is preached. Because the, the primary thing, the source of all your peace is this. The cross was a success. Jesus did a good job. And so what that means is that all your sin has been paid in full. 
forever. And it's never going to change. Past, present, and future. All you, our sin was future because the cross was 2,000 years ago, right? And so you, you, your peace comes from the fact that Jesus is the prince of peace. He's restored peace between God and man. And you're right with God by the blood of the lamb. Not by your deeds, not by your church attendance, not by your giving, not by anything that's born of you. Listen, how many know if we could screw it up, we would? And so God actually made it to where we couldn't screw it up. He actually cut a covenant between himself and his son. How many know Jesus isn't going to falter? And how many know God's not going to falter either? And so when you get born again, thank you. When you get born again, you step into Christ. How many know you take on a new identity? A couple weeks ago, Daniel in the back there got born again. And uh, we got a, had a guy get born again in our Bible study on Wednesday night. One of the guys that I uh, go to the gym with that I've been witnessing to and praying for for six months. He uh, has no, no kind of church background or anything like that. Wonderful guy. A little rough around the edges. I like him like that. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and he got gloriously saved in the backyard. Got born again. And, uh, and one of the cool things it was, Ethan was watching the kids at the time. We, we, we have Ethan watch the kids, and we pay him a little bit for doing it. Ethan stepped into the backyard. He said, something happened back here. I could feel it. He was like, I, something, he knew something had happened, right? Because, I mean, you know, when somebody gets born again, there's a release of the Spirit. Like, it just blesses everybody when somebody gets saved. And so, and the same for Daniel as well. And when you, when you receive that, that gift, how I many of the cross was a success 2,000 years ago. Jesus is the Lamb of God who took away, past tense, the sin of the world. But when you step into Christ, you receive Jesus as your righteousness, and you receive that gift, and now, how I many you know we're in Christ? And so this covenant that's cut between God and man is actually between his, his Father God and His Son Jesus, and now we're in Christ. And so what that means is that you have peace with God that's not going to be taken away from you according to your mistakes or your shortcomings or even your accomplishments. You don't actually don't have the ability to make yourself more right with God. That's, that's very important too because that will rob you of peace as well. You can't make yourself more right with God and you can't make yourself less right with God. You're just born again and you're a child of God, right? Now, we can bring ourselves into harmony with, we, we, we are in harmony with God in our spirits when we're born again, but how many of you can bring your mind into harmony with God? And as you do that, how many you know people start to see Christ on the outside of you? People are seeing more of Jesus in me now than they were 20 years ago. When I first got saved, you could barely tell I was saved. I was rough around the edge. I didn't know anything. I mean, I was. I was rough. And, but now, 20 years later, I've had 20 years of this word coming to me and renewing my mind. People are seeing more of Jesus and so I can bring my mind into harmony with God. And then when I bring my mind into harmony with God, how many of you know my actions come into harmony with God, right? And I start to live out this gift of righteousness that's been given to me. But all of your peace, the well that you drink from that actually gives you peace initially is this. You're right with God. And it's not going to be taken away from you. How many of you know that's the best news in the world? And, and, and sadly enough, it's, it's not a message that's preached that much. Because it's easier to manipulate insecure, guilt-ridden people. And we're going to take a look at that here in just a moment. Man-made religion does not preach peace. Because it, you, can't, you can't motivate people with fear and guilt 
when peace is present. And I don't throw those people under the bus. I don't think, I don't think most of them are doing it on purpose. Um, but one of the primary ways the enemy tries to mess with us is he takes a little bit of the word of God and a little bit of lie, and he twists it together. I mean, that's what happened in the garden. The enemy didn't come with some attack out of left field. He took God's words and then added a little bit to it. And then here we are several thousand years later as a result of the fall of man. And so the enemy wants to try to convince people that the cross was not a success. Listen, if the cross wasn't a success, we are all in trouble. If you're going to have to establish your own righteousness, then you're going to have to do everything right all the days of your life. Good luck. And here's the thing, if, if that's the case, then who is your Savior? You are. You are actually not being saved at all. It's the truth. Like I, 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 uh, and every religion on this planet is built upon that premise. You, may, you get right with God by your behavior, or you maintain your rightness with God by your behavior. It's just not true. No, you're born again. Like, you know, my, my, my children, they're my kids, no matter what. They can't stop being my kids. I mean, you know, their identity, their DNA is a sure thing. They can't change it. They can get a haircut. They can change their clothes. They're still my kids. If my human seed is powerful enough to maintain their identity as being a part of my family, how much more the incorruptible seed of the Word of God able to keep you in the family? Now listen, what I'm doing to you right now is I'm preaching the gospel to you. Do you know what it's doing? It's taking a cup of peace and it's pouring it directly into your heart. And I'm not telling you something that you don't know for the most part. I'm telling you something that you do know, but you're having an experience with the Savior. We're, 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 we're preaching Jesus Christ and it's filling your hearts up with peace. This is the place where you get peace from. But after you fill up on peace, we want you to maintain it as you walk through those doors and you live in your daily life. I mean, we want you to be able to maintain peace as you drive home today. That no idiot in traffic would be able to take your peace from you. I'm serious. Like, I know that's so funny, but like, check it out. One, this is crazy, but should one person in traffic have the power to derail the expression of the kingdom of God within you? They shouldn't. But how many know it happens if we're honest? And here you are, someone cuts you off in traffic, and all of a sudden you've lost your peace, and then your, then your spouse wants to say something to you like, well, where you want to eat? Where you want to eat? I don't know. Well, I don't know either. And what's happened is a tiny thing like a traffic issue has pulled that peace off of your life. See, all of your relational interactions should be out of a place of peace. When I speak to my son, it should be in peace. When I speak to my wife, it should be in peace. Disobedient children should not have the ability to rob me of peace. I should be able to have peace even when I'm correcting my child. If my child has the ability to pull me out of peace, then they are the person that's more powerful in that scenario than I am. Everybody tracking me here? This is something I practice often in my home because I have, not that my children are super disobedient or anything like that, but I have kids, I mean, I mean, kids don't know how to maintain their peace. Like on the way to church this morning, Lily cried borderline violently over not being able to open something in the car, right? 
So, and she has a very strong voice. And, and I mean, and she is not a quiet child. And so when she experiences discomfort, she, she projects it. And so what I have to do as a, as a, as a man of God, as a child of God, is I've got to maintain peace while I have a screaming child. I mean, oh, you can do it. Oh, yeah, you can. You just pull the peace back and you keep it. If I can maintain peace while the child is screaming, I can handle the child properly rather than handling the child emotionally. I should not, that child, no child, no person should have the ability to pull peace off of me and cause me to react emotionally in anger or frustration or strife. And so, and here's the thing, the more people you can get guarding their hearts with peace in a house, in a household, the more peaceful the household is going to be. Because if you can get a couple people operating in peace, they can help offset that one individual that doesn't have peace. Like my little people don't quite know how to do this yet, especially the two-year-old. She doesn't know how to do this. Eli's learning a little bit more. Ethan's learned a lot. Ethan is, Ethan is learning how to maintain peace, and, and, and he's, he's learning how to do it. So he becomes an asset. And how many know the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers? This is not just talking about compromise for the purpose of keeping war for ha from happening. This is talking about you taking something inside of you that Jesus gave you that is his peace, and it's powerful, and you can maintain peace in your home. How many know when there's peace in your home, your animals act better? Come on, I mean, it's the truth, man. Like we, we've experienced some element of salvation with our dog. Our dog is wonderful now. But I had a period of my life where that dog could rob me of peace faster than any created being. I'm just being honest with you. And me and the dog, there was a war between me and the dog. Why? Because the dog would not respect my authority at all. The dog was just, all the days of his life was just like, forget you, man. And if I can get away with it, I'm getting away with it. And so what would happen he would rob me of peace, and I don't have peace. And you know what would cause me to do? I would fight with my wife more. I wouldn't handle my kids the way I should have handled my kids. I wouldn't handle anything. How many know when, you, when peace is disrupted in your life, people aren't getting the truest version of who you are? And, and, so, and so finally, I've gotten better at this, and I want to continue to get better. I want to live in peace. I want to live in Shalom 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want to go to sleep in peace. I want to wake up in peace. And when somebody tries to rob me of peace, it's not my job to fix them. It's my job to maintain the gift that God's given me. And see, if we think that you know, your peace is going to be the product of you getting all your external circumstances perfect so you can have peace, I mean, you know, that's not the type of peace Jesus came to give you. That's the peace that the world gives. The world says, okay, we got to have everything perfect. Everything's got to be nice. The music's got to be right. We've got to have the aromatherapy on. We've got to have this. We're in a hammock. We're all that. How I many you know that piece is very fleeting? Might last 10 seconds, right? No. You, you're gonna, we are called to develop a piece that's stronger than the turmoil that's in the world. And, I'm, and, and once again, I'm not trying to get you to get something. I'm trying to get you to uncover something that you already have. Everybody tracking me on this? I want this, and I'm getting better at it, and I'm learning how to get skilled in it, but I haven't arrived, but I'm still learning. And, and so um, in, in Romans chapter 16, this has kind of been our, our springboard verse in this, and, 
it kind of lays out a different concept of peace, but it says, Romans 16 and verse 20, it says, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. How many know that is a different concept of peace? See, the peace that I'm talking about <clears throat> is not a passive peace. This is an aggressive peace. How I many you know when, when Jesus was asleep in the boat and the waves and the wind were going like crazy, Jesus took the peace that he had and he released it into the storm and it brought peace. Everybody tracking me here. This is the type of peace that I'm talking about. I'm talking about you kicking the devil's butt. See, the enemy does not know how to manage a peaceful Christian. We're going to look at it today. How I many of you know there's a passage of Scripture that the enemy goes about seeking whom, whom he may devour? How I many of you know he can't just devour anybody? You know who he can devour? People who don't have peace. We're going to see it right in context. And so what we want to do, we want to make ourselves undevourable. And we do that by, by pulling this piece over, right? And so now I'm hot again. Will you turn? Say, peace be still, Jeremiah. Hallelujah. I'm going to read a couple passages to you here quickly. Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and I want to, I want to lay this out to you because this, once again, this is, a, this is a superpower. This is something that's supernatural, and it's something that you can use. Jesus was speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 11, and he says, Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, listen to this, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Now, doesn't that sound like some Iron Man type stuff? Like, he's like, okay, if this place is worthy, release your peace. If it's not, let your peace come back. Because how many know, in order for them to keep from dying as disciples that were sent out, they had to maintain peace. See, the enemy can't get anything done until he causes turmoil. He can't get anything done until he causes unrest. See, the wisdom that's from above is first pure and peaceable and easy to be entreated. The enemy's always trying to cause unrest and turmoil so that confusion in every evil work can operate. The devil is not a peaceful devil. He, he himself is in a place of total unrest, and so he's always trying to bring unrest into other people's lives so that he can, so that he can work. How many of God is a God of order? He's a God of harmony. And, and the, the Hebrew concept of peace, the word shalom, it is, it is, a, putting, it is a putting of things in order. There, there are things, how many of you when things are in order, there's peace? But when things are out of order, there's disarray. I mean, the same thing for a marriage, same thing for a church. I mean, one of the things I felt led to do is announce who our elders and our deacons were. Not that anybody didn't know it already, but there was an element of setting things together for the purpose of the outflow of peace. And so this is, it's a powerful thing. And then, of course, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, Jesus is our peace. Your peace is a person. Your peace is not just a concept. Isaiah chapter 9, and verse 6, he's the prince of peace, the increase of his kingdom and peace. There will be no end. And then let's actually turn to uh, Luke chapter 12 real quickly. And I want to just share a little bit of something with you. Just a snapshot. Man-made religion does not operate in peace. In man-made religion, peace is for sale. 
You can't just come in and have peace. You got to buy it, either with your behavior or your money. And how many of the things of the kingdom are not free? They were expensive. They were bought with the blood of the lamb. But how many know that we can't put a price on what God has paid for with his own blood? Very important. So man-made religion does not operate in peace. And we'll look at it. This is actually in the Amplified. Luke chapter 12 and verse 1, Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, in the meanwhile, when so many thousands of people had gathered that they were trampling on one another, Jesus commenced by saying primarily to his disciples, be on your guard against the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, producing unrest and violent agitation. How many of you know that man-made religion, self-righteousness, hypocrisy, Jesus stood against it all the days of his life? And he said, beware of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, the leaven. How many of you know leaven will change the bread? In an atmosphere of self-righteousness, we will all try to compete against each other to see who is the most righteous. See who's the best. And a lot of times the person that's set as the judge is the pastor or the minister or the leader. And so in an atmosphere, anybody ever been in an atmosphere of man-made religion where everybody was competing against each other? That's not the kingdom, folks. I don't care how big the church is. I don't, how, how, I don't care how pretty the stained glass is. If you're walking into that place and your heart is filled with unrest because you have to perform to get something that Jesus gave you for free, that's not the kingdom. That's a kingdom, but it's not the kingdom. It's somebody's kingdom. It's the truth, man. It's the truth. And so church, the gathering of the saints should be a place where the bread of life is broken, like Logan was sharing earlier, and you feed on peace. And when you leave this place, you have more peace than when you came in. Can I get an amen? amen. That's how you know that the gospel is actually being preached because relationship with God is not hard. Living on earth is hard. But relationship with God should actually be the easiest thing that you have in your life. And let's look at it in Matthew chapter 11. Here's Jesus as the prince of peace bringing a different kingdom, bringing them a contrast between the way that the Pharisees operated and the way that he operated. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Jesus speaking, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's speaking to people who are under the bondage of legalism. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. I'm humble, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. See, relationship with God should be easy and light without a heavy burden. Now, I'm not saying that relationship with God won't lead you into battle. I'm not saying that relationship with God won't lead you to slay giants. I'm not saying relationship with God won't cause you to be persecuted and ostracized and spoken evil of, and there won't be challenges. No, the world is hard. But listen, what should not be hard is your relationship with your Savior. That should be easy. 
And if it's not easy and it's not filling your heart with peace, you might be feeding on bread that's filled with leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees rather than feeding on the leavenless bread, which is Christ. And the cornerstone of the reality of all of this really is the gospel. You are right with God, not because of what you do, good or bad. You are right with God because you believe in Jesus. And there's not somebody in here that's more right with God than somebody else. That's just how it works. There's not somebody in here that, you know, someone may know more scripture than somebody else. It doesn't mean that they're more right with God. Because it, it, it's the product of a new birth. Amen? And so, man-made religion operates in unrest, and the kingdom operates in peace. Now, let's turn to John 14, and we'll get into the, the nuts and bolts of what we have here today. Because I want to give you some really just practical application um, that's going to help you to, to just function in this so that you can have peace in your daily life. I'm telling you, man, when you, when you have peace, you talk different. When you have peace, you walk different. When you have peace, the way that you deal with other people is different. When you start to operate in this kingdom kind of peace I'm talking about, you actually stop being manipulated by the world. And I'll take it a step further. Temptation loses control over you. In order for temptation to be effective, your peace has to have been first disturbed. As long as you have peace... Temptation will have no effect on you because your heart will have been guarded. What causes some people to run to sin? It, it, sin becomes a form of escape, becomes a form of stress relief, becomes a form of help me, just let me do something that's going to give me some type of relief. See, when I used to be a drug addict, one of, one of the challenges for me is when I got really stressful because the only way I knew how to handle stress was to get drunk or to get high. And so I didn't know how to handle it any other way. So if I had a bad day, man, I ran for the drugs because it's the only way I knew how to handle stress. But now I have a piece that's bigger than a pill, bigger than a bottle. Bigger than something that's rolled. You know what I'm saying? Bigger than any of those things. And, and then, and, and not just, and that's a form of escape. Now, I mean, some people run to sex, too, as a form of escape, man. Or pornography or whatever to try to get a little bit of serotonin going. You know? And, and, and it, it's kind of, um, um, and it's just a form of escape. But when you, when you guard your heart with peace, man, the enemy doesn't really know what to do with you. Because as long as you're operating in peace, he can't tempt you. I'm telling you guys, we can get good at this. And we can like just stop being manipulated by the world and by the enemy and by other people. No human being should be able to take your peace from you. What I encourage you to do as we get into the practical aspect of this, start practicing this. What are you talking about? Next week, look and find out what it is that robs you of peace. Write it down. Like when you don't have peace, look and see. Because it, it, it might surprise you the things that robs you of peace. You know one of the things, very simple thing that robs me of peace? Is when I'm doing a task and then my wife asks me to do another task before I have that task finished. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, as men, we are simple creatures. You know, I mean, maybe not all men, but like, like I do one thing at a time. Like, that's what I do. Like, I will do one thing. And then when I finish that one thing, I will do the next thing. <clears throat> but if I'm doing one thing, and then you talk to me about three other things, I'm overloaded. And, and there's nothing wrong with what she's asking me to do. How many know women can do 100,000 things at the same time? It's amazing. Like, it's a gift. It's astonishing. Like, you guys are awesome. I celebrate you. We ain't got it like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am one thing. Like, one thing. And so <clears throat> what I have found in my daily life, like, let's say my wife's asking me to get something out of the garage. <laughs> okay. So there I am, like, I'm Rain Man, bro. I'm like, get it out of the garage, getting it out of the garage, getting it out of the garage. That's what we're doing. We're getting it out of the garage. And then she's like, oh, can you do this? And I'm like, and my piece is gone. <laughs> yeah, I can do it, but I'm trying to stay focused on this. And so, and then she says something else. Oh, and then can you? <laughs> and so there I am, like, I have no peace. And maybe not all men are like this, but I think most men are. And so... Now, here's the thing. Did she do anything wrong? But, 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 but what, I have, what I've done is I've allowed myself to lose my peace over something very simple. And if I will consciously bring my peace back in the midst of all the things that she said to me, I can go to the garage, finish that task, do the next task, and do the next task, and I can out of a place express peace express the kingdom to my family and I can be a peacemaker rather than being annoyed because she's asked me to do something you know and, and I, mean, I mean that's a small thing <clears throat> but as I've said this it struck a chord in here because all because all the men and all the women can relate to to to, to, a, to a level to what has been said right here and I mean that's not some big crazy thing that's a tiny little thing but here's the thing if, if I've lost peace over something that simple, then what happens when something big happens after I've already lost peace? Here comes strife. Here comes argument. Here comes turmoil. Did anybody wrong anybody? No. But somebody did not guard their heart with peace. And I'm telling you, like, we can get good at this to where... We can live our lives and function in peace. It's awesome. Like, I'm excited about it. Like, and, and I've been doing it better than I've ever done it before, but you have to be conscious of it. You can't just think about this when you come to church on Sunday. You're going to have to think about this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We come back in here on Sunday, and we're going to go deeper into it. Are you all tracking me here? And we're going to learn this, and we're going to get so good at it that no one's going to be able to rob us of peace, and we're going to live our lives in peace. And you know what happens when, how many of the Bible refers to your shoes as being the gospel of peace? How many of your, your shoes is something that, I mean, not for all you guys. I don't think I've ever seen Hannah wear a pair of shoes, but she, her feet are tough. You have tough Kentucky feet, right? Like me, man, if I step on a Lego in my house, there, there is, there, the, the, the sound of, of, of uh, a lack of masculinity will admit, ah! I happened just last night. I stepped on some toy, man, and, and Ethan's, he knows. And, you know, I have tender feet. You know what I'm saying? I just, you know, whatever. I can't do it. <clears throat> but how many know that, maybe we won't use the term shoes, but how many know when your feet are off, everything's off? Because everything that you do you, requires your feet. 
And, and I'll say this, when your peace is off, everything's off. And so that's why God referred to the gospel of peace as being shoes on your feet. Because I should be able to have feet. That's feet. <laughs> Good job, Jeremiah. Have them feet, brother. I should be able to have peace in Walmart, in Kroger, in the gas station, in the coffee shop, in the gym, wherever I'm at. If I operate in peace, how many know I have the ability to shift the atmosphere? Oh, it's so powerful. But if I can't guard my own peace, how can I emanate peace? How can I, how can I release peace if I don't personally have it? And once again, I'm not teaching you something that you have to get. I'm teaching you something that you have. So John 14, verse 27, Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, Jesus gave us his peace. Can I get an amen? amen. What, is the, what is his peace? He was right with God. I mean, you know, nobody ever got Jesus out of peace when he walked the earth. Not people trying to kill him. Not people trying to force him and make him king. Not people dying. Not people with disease. Not Roman soldiers. Pilate himself could not rob Jesus of peace. How I many you know Jesus had so much peace around Pilate, it freaked Pilate out. And he got scared. And there's actually a passage of scripture that talks about it. When you operate in peace, it's a sign to your enemies of their demise. We probably won't hit that scripture today, but we're working towards that. When you have peace, you show the enemy that he's losing. It's a sign of his demise. And so when Jesus walked, he always had peace. Nobody freaked him out. Nobody freaked him out. Nobody freaked him out. Not bickering disciples. The only time you see Jesus lose peace is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's when he's paying for your mental health. The Garden of Gethsemane is where mental health is paid for. Mental health is actually paid for before the cross. I'm writing a book about this. I wish I'd have enough time to finish it because I've never heard anybody say that before, but it's the truth. Garden of Gethsemane is when Jesus had deep sorrow and anguish came upon him, and it was, a it was the first time that he spilled blood. And every time Jesus spills blood is when redemption is happening. And so many people, they focus on the healing aspect of the cross physically, but there is, a, there is an emotional, mental healing that Jesus took in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that was the place where he laid his peace down and he was in deep anguish. See, God loves you so much, he's going to pay for every single aspect of your well-being. And I just want to give you just a, just a word of encouragement in mental health. Listen, I used to be depressed, suicidal, manic-depressive on all kinds of medication. Paxil, Zoloft, Prozac, etc. And I stand before you today, I'm the happiest person I know. And I'm not bragging on Jeremiah Johnson because I don't have anything without the Lord. I'm bragging on Jesus Christ. And, 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 and what I'm showing you is you don't have to live like that. There's a way out. But you will have to take, embrace truth and lay down some lies. Because the reason somebody lives in mental anguish is they're believing the wrong things. And they're listening to the wrong voices. And their eyes are on the wrong things. 
You can't leave darkness by staring in darkness. You can only leave darkness by staring at the light. I'm speaking prophetically right now. The light is the word of God. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I dare you to take a week and read your Bible every day. Set aside some time and read your Bible. I don't care if you understand it or not. I don't care if you have any idea what's going on. The light from the word will lighten the hallways of your mind and will change the way you view yourself and the world around you. It's supernatural. It's not a regular book. I have increased the amount of time I'm spending in the Word. And um, I'm I'm a prayer man. I love to pray in the Spirit. It's my favorite thing to do. But here lately, God has changed that, and God's had me getting up, and I'm reading like numbers. I'm reading like, you know, Ezekiel and Isaiah. And I'm just reading. And you know what's happening? My peace is increased. And my happiness is increased. And I'm not focused on this world and all of its dumb stuff. Y'all tracking me here? I'm talking about winning, man. I want to win. I want victory. We're called to overcome. And we can't overcome staring at darkness. It just don't work like that. And, 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 I, and, and I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about showing up and just eating the bread of life. You know, how many of us have time that we spend doing frivolous things that could actually be giving us life? What, what, you know, what if we spent a little bit less time playing a game on our phone and a little bit of time just reading a passage of Scripture? Everybody's busy, right? Just when you're on the toilet. You know what I'm saying? Is there anyone that's on the toilet that doesn't have their phone in their hands? No one. Like, you can't use the bathroom until you have your phone. I mean, it's as, it's as sure as toilet paper, man. I mean, like, you're like, whoa, 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 I can't hit the resume. Where's my phone at? That might not be true for everybody. And if that's not true for you, then good job. But for the rest of us, we're like, man, if I'm going to have some downtime, I'm going to scroll through something, you know, and which is fine. But what if you made a decision to, like, I'm going to read a chapter while I'm on the toilet? Simple. Very simple. And I'm not, I'm not encouraging any type of legalistic approach to God, but I am saying that the word is a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. And when you feed on light, you see differently. When you feed on light, you see differently. When you feed on light, you see differently. When you feed on darkness, you see differently. See, I had to cut my news intake. I was watching too much news. I wasn't watching it like, like vi- vi- uh, video, but I would read it all the time because I just want to see what these lunatics are doing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, just absolute lunatics, you know? And, and it's cool. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not advocating an ostrich lifestyle with your head in the sand, but I am saying that, like, when you feed on the spirit of this world, it's not going to advocate peace. And that includes the entertainment industry. And I like a good movie. You know what I'm saying? I'm not anti-movie. <clears throat> I'm not anti-sporting events. But those things don't feed you. It still has the spirit of this world on it. I mean, you can't watch a commercial without them showing somebody half naked. Like, I don't care what they're selling. Crackers. You know what I'm saying? They'd be selling some crackers and somebody just naked out there like, hey, these crackers are great. You know, it's like, jeez. And, and you know, once again, what's, he that's within you is stronger than he that's in the world. Listen to me. This is important. These things can't change your righteousness. They can't. They don't, they're not strong enough to change your righteousness. 
but they are, but they do have the ability to have you have you operate in in less light. And I don't know about you guys, like it's a crazy world. I need all the light I can get right now. I need to know what to do. I need to know what to do. I need to know what to do. And and where we're where we're going in this series, I'm not the purpose of this is a is to teach you guys how to be good at operating in peace. But be it so you can actually learn how to be spirit-led, fine-tuned. Because the, the, the way that God will lead you in a fine-tuned sense is spirit-led, is, being, is the presence or absence of peace. In the, in the smallest things, you can be spirit-led. Big, see, if we can get spirit-led in the little things, then the big things will be super easy. See, this is New Testament Christianity, man. It's being spirit-led. How many of us what maturity is? See, we're not following some set of rules that are on the wall anymore. We're following, we're following the unction of the Spirit that's within us. If we want to get powerful in being led by the Spirit, we want, to, we want to be led in everything, from the greatest thing to the smallest thing, so that when God's ready to start firing off miracles and signs and wonders, we will have followed Him carefully through the, through the very small things of, 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 of speaking to somebody or letting somebody in front of you in traffic or maybe buying a Coke for somebody or giving somebody a word of encouragement or slowing down a little bit because you're going too fast or, or, or whatever. See, man, it, it, this place of relationship is a powerful place. The Bible says that they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. And the Spirit always follows the path of least resistance. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? I'm talking about like being really, really tuned into the Spirit means obeying God all the time. And I'm not talking about, once again, I'm not talking about some external set. I'm talking about being spirit-led. Spirit-led. Say this to your child rather than that. It's not time to correct them. It's time to encourage them. Little things. Little things. It's time to hug so-and-so. It's time to help so-and-so. It's time to take care of this person's bill. It's time to sow a seed here. It's time to be a blessing. What the, everything. I want, I want the Lordship of Jesus Christ because I know I'm an idiot without him. Like I'm, that's, that has been, I have learned that. <laughs> and so what I want, I want him in everything. And so even this whole series is setting the stage for the spirit-led life because it's the spirit-led life where the power of God is. And how many of the Holy Spirit's always going to lead you to love? But you know who's the first person who's going to lead you to love? You. And that's the part where we have a hard time sometimes. And that's where the gospel comes in. You do not owe anything for all the sin you've committed. So don't try to pay for it. There is someone who's picked up the tab and paid it in full. So join in with God and believe that you are forgiven and righteous, and holy, a son and daughter of God, and your sins and lawless deeds he will remember no more. See, we think we've got that yet. Everyone thinks, oh, well, I know the gospel. It's got to permeate the core of your being to where it absolutely resets the way you think about yourself. It is the power of God unto salvation. You can't love somebody properly if you don't love yourself. You can't forgive properly unless you forgive yourself. 
did Jesus do a good job? Then you're clean. And you're righteous. And you're holy. You are, you are the holy of holies now. You are. That's why the, that's why the, that's why the um, curtain was torn. <laughs> you are. You, the raiders of the lost ark. The ark's been found. It's you. God never wanted to live in stones. God never wanted to live in a house. God always wanted to live in you. But he couldn't live in you until he cleaned you. And the only thing that could clean you was the blood. And so now God lives in you. All those things that the Jews longed for and hungered for for thousands of years has been given to us Gentiles for free. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to deserve it. You didn't have to sacrifice an animal or a goat to get it. The only thing you had to do was believe in Jesus Christ. And now we're not sending a priest behind a curtain any longer. And there's no go-between between God and man. You are a carrier of the living God, Christ in you. You can't mess this thing up. If you could mess it up, we would mess it up all the time. But what's happened is the Spirit of God has sealed your spirit with the Holy Spirit so that if you make a mistake in your mind or with your hands, it can't penetrate the Holy of Holies of your heart. Yes, your righteousness is not taken from you. In order for your righteousness to be taken from you, Jesus has to go backwards. He's got, he's got to go back down into the death and go back onto the cross. When he said it was finished, like it was a success, it was finished, it was done. Like he did it. Let's, let's live in this. Let's walk in this. Let's embrace the fact that we're right with God. And you're right with God every single day, every moment, every hour. Once this life is over and this world gets drawn up like an old t-shirt and an old blanket and the new heavens and the new earth come down and you live in eternity, you will have the same righteousness that you have right now. You'll get a brand new body. Thank God. And your body will experience the redemption that your spirit has already, already experienced. And you'll get, and you'll get, and your mind will be renewed. But folks, the down payment that's been made on the inside of you has made you righteous. And when we live a moment of our lives in a sense of unworthiness or condemnation, we are saying the cross was not a success. And yet we've been taught to think this was somehow holy or pious or religious or good. And it's absolute blasphemy against the work of the cross. I will never take one of my children and say to them, you're not worthy to be a Johnson. You're not worthy to be my child. Never, ever would I ever, ever do that. I don't care what happens. They will always be my kids. I will always love you. I will always be there for you. There will never come a time when I'm not there for you, ever, because you're mine. If a man, if a simple human man can do that, how much more the almighty God has laid down the life of his son so that we don't have to live ashamed, we don't have to live dirty, we don't have to live unloved. And this reality is the source of all faith. This is where all faith comes from. You know how you have big faith? You believe you're right with God. The moment you think you're not right with God, 
your faith is frustrated. This is the faith that is talked about in Scripture. It's faith righteousness. If I believe I'm right with God, how many know I'm actually pretty confident when I pray? If I believe that I'm right with God, then I start living with a level of confidence. How many of the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? You are that righteous man. You are that righteous woman. It's a whole new, it's a whole new world. We're not operating under the old covenant. We're not operating in filthy rags. We're not operating in anything that we have done at all. We brought nothing to the table. We came lost and dead with no covenant. And God said, them Gentiles are my bride. Bring them to me. Clean them up. Make them beautiful. Make them worthy. Do you think that Jesus would marry an unworthy bride? The bride is clean, and she is worthy, but she doesn't think she is. And if she doesn't think she is, then she doesn't have the confidence to look him in the eyes and receive his love. But I'm going to tell you right now, those days are ending. The gospel's being preached more and more. Can I get an amen? amen. <clears throat> this message is not hidden under a rock somewhere. Martin Luther, you know, nailed the thesis to the wall. It's, it's getting out that the cross was a success. <clears throat> Excuse me. And more people are believing it. And we need people to believe it. Now, <clears throat> as I'm saying all of these things, it is, I'm just preaching the gospel under the unction of the Spirit, but it's, <clears throat> this is the peace that has been given to you. And one of the definitions of the word shalom, shalom is the, is the Hebrew concept of peace. It's shalom, and it, and it, and it it's a derivative of the Hebrew word. And the reason that you have peace is the price has been paid in full. You may ever owed somebody money. How many know you don't have peace around that person? Because there's debt on your conscience, right? Here's the thing. Your debt has been paid. And there should be no debt on your conscience concerning your right standing with God. You actually don't owe God anything. Now, here's, and here's the thing. But the more you realize this reality and you receive this kind of love, how I many you end up starting to like want to love him and serve him? Because you're so grateful. <clears throat> but it's not this debt type of relationship. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Good news, right? <clears throat> See, I can't make that happen. What just happened right then? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And and um, what you know? Remember when Paul talked about pray that a doorway of utterance would be open to me? That's what just happened right then. That was a doorway of utterance. And for just a moment here, we've all seen real clearly the reality of the cross. And there's a power that's in. How I many? We were all strengthened. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Right. And um, but that that. That's, that's the Holy Spirit that does that. That's not something that happens based in man. Anyway. And so, <clears throat> all right, this, here's the final thing. Let's turn to uh, 1 Peter. Final thing for today. <clears throat> so we're, we're just going to keep walking down this road, man, and we're going to get it, and we're going to learn it, and we're going to live in it, we're going to have it. 
and I, I quoted this earlier, but I want, to, I want to put your eyes on it. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, we all are pretty aware of that verse. We've heard it many times. But I want, what I want to draw from this is this. Listen, he can't devour everybody. If he could, then he would. He needs a way to get in. So go to the verse right before that. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When you are casting your care, your anxiousness, your things you're concerned with, all of these things upon the Lord, I mean, you know, if Jesus walked into this place and stood up here physically, and you could just go up to him and just hand him your bills and your medical problems, your relationship problems, and put them right in his hands, I mean, you'd probably walk out with some peace. Because you know that you have just placed your problems into the most capable hands of any being that's ever been. And so the context of being undevourable is not carrying our care and our worry. I'm talking about peace here. Casting all your care, verse 7, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. It says be sober. This word... Sober means sober. <laughs> the, how many you know the enemy gets a lot of work done when people are on something? And when, when you're on something, the truest version of who you are is not always expressed. So when you are on something, you're making yourself devourable. I have been that person. You know, drunk doing stuff I would never do when I was sober. You know what I'm saying? Because it, what it does is, <clears throat> is it opens a doorway for the enemy to use an individual. And so in order for you to be undevourable, A, we maintain peace, B, sober. And listen, if you're not sober and you have a moment of not, you know, it don't change the fact that God loves you. Ugh. It don't change the fact that you're the righteousness of God. But it might open a doorway into your life for the enemy to work. And I know people who have died before their time as a result of embracing this. And went to heaven quicker than they should have. Then it says, be vigilant. So we want to be vigilant. We want to be watchful to maintain this peace. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may, may devour. Resist him steadfast in faith righteousness. Resi Anytime you see the faith, it's faith righteousness. It's not faith for healing. It's not faith for financial provision. It's, not, it's faith righteousness. Man, I'm going to get that into our hearts. I'm looking forward to when Grant preaches this. Grant is going to preach on this, and I'm telling you right now, it's going to change all of our lives because he, he's going to teach that, that concept that I'm talking about. Anytime you see the faith in scriptures, it's talking about being right with God by faith. That's, that is the faith. Not right with God by works, right with God by faith. How do, you, how do you maintain peace? You say, no, I'm right with God. That's how you stay in peace. When you get mad, when you get upset, when you get unsober. I'm right with God. Oh, Jeremiah, are you giving people a license to sin? No, I'm giving people a license to be set free from sin. God does not take your identity away from you when you fall. If God took your identity away from you when you failed and when you fall, 
then you, how are you going to get out of this thing? When the, when the, when the son came back to the, to the father, he didn't have to earn his sonship. He was still a son, even though he'd been in the pig pen, even though he'd been making mistakes, his identity did not change. When you find out who you are, this crap just loses its power over your life. And you're like, no, I don't do, I'm not a drug addict. I'm a son of God. Like I used to be, but I'm not now. This, that, I don't want that anymore. When you start to embrace your true identity, your desires start to line up with God's desires. You start to want what God wants. But in the midst of the deliverance, don't let go of Jesus. Keep holding him and say, oh, God, help me. I'm the righteousness of God. I know I'm better than this. Keep hearing the gospels. Keep having your heart flooded with peace. Condemnation will make you want to sin. Condemnation is the strength of sin. Justification is what sets you free from sin. Look, it's God's idea. It's not man's idea. It works. Romans 6, 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law but under grace. <clears throat> All right. Then final, final place here. I'm going to read you this. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. It says, above all. Everybody say, above all. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Closing here. Listen to me. What you are experiencing around you is what you've already experienced within you. Your heart determines what goes on around you. You ever had a period of your life when you feel like nobody liked you and everybody hated you and, you were in a, in, in, and no one wanted to be around you and nobody liked you? You know what you do? You project rejection. But you know what happens? People reject you because it's already an established reality inside of your heart. Are people rejecting you? No, they're not. But you're believing a lie about yourself. And when you believe a lie, you empower that lie to become your reality. It's the truth. The battle is not out here. The battle's here and here. And so, man, when you can guard your heart with all diligence, you will actually change the way your day goes. If you're living in unrest and hastiness and no peace, and you're just walking around, wigged out. See, we live in a world where we've glorified busy. We glorified being so busy and stressed. Well, I'm just so busy, and I'm just worried about this, and I just, I just. And we think by doing that, we're saying I'm a person who cares. But what we're actually doing is we're functioning contrary to the kingdom. Was Jesus ever hasty? No. Was Jesus ever wigged out of hurry? No. Jesus walked in peace all the time, no matter where he was at. Why? Because he was right with God. It never changed. And he took his rightness with God and he gave it to you. Amen? And so, now, John 14, we close right here, and I'm going to pull out my, my um, object lesson, my gloriously, my glorious peace blanket, because I want to give you a visible demonstration of what this looks like, okay? I know, don't hate on my blanket, just help me out here, you know? Here's the thing. If you've been given a blanket... And you're on the couch, and you're cold, and it's just sitting next to you, 
Is it the blanket's fault that you're not warm? No, you have to take the blanket and keep it in its proper place so that you can stay warm. Jesus has given you his peace. If you're walking around with his peace crumpled up next to you in the car or on your couch or wherever, and you're not having peace, it's not Jesus' fault you don't have peace. You must get good at returning the blanket. How do you do that? Well, the kingdom is voice activated. That promise right there, John 14, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When you, all right, let's say we leave this place today, we're in traffic. Somebody cut you off in traffic. I pray God it's not somebody from the church. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, there they go. Oh, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. But let's say that it happens. There goes your peace, right? What do you got to do? Voice activated. You don't have to scream it. Don't be a dork. Don't. I mean, if you, I mean, I'm not talking, I'm, I'm dorky too, but there's a different kind of dork. Don't be a hyper spiritual, look at me, I'm awesome dork. You don't have to, you don't have to be weird. Weird and, and spiritual are not the same thing. Okay? It's true. Now, there are times when being led by the Spirit will make people think you're weird. But don't be weird for the purpose of being weird to think that that somehow makes you more spiritual. Too much of that in the body of Christ. No, no. Just drive your car, and then you've lost your peace. And now, I let not my heart be troubled, neither do I let it be afraid. And bring your peace back. And then drive with peace. When I leave this place, the chances of me having a crying child in the back of my car are kind of high. Aren't they? Sunday, boy, that ride home, it's on. Everybody's hungry, everybody's tired. And so I have a decision to make. Am I going to allow Lily to take my peace? Or am I going to, I let not my heart be troubled, neither do I let it be afraid. And then I'm right with God. Must always be punctuated with your rightness with God. Because listen to me, if you're not right with God, you don't have any peace. The truth is, if you've received Jesus as Lord Savior, how many of you are right with God? But just because you are right with God does not mean you're actively believing that you're right with God. So everything, you know, I, I didn't go through all the scriptures of righteousness and peace because I didn't have time. But your rightness with God is the product of that. So let's say you're driving down the road and you see a billboard and you look at something, maybe a little longer than you should have. Or you see somebody walking down the street and you're looking at them a little longer than you should have. Your peace just left. Why? Because you stepped into something that really isn't your nature. Can we let the rubber hit the road for just a second? What are you going to do? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I let not my heart be troubled, neither do I let it be afraid. Pull your peace back. Don't allow one moment of temptation to have you, have you live an entire day without peace. How many people, they have one moment of temptation and then they spend their whole day without peace? And listen, if you, if you, listen, if you don't have peace, how many know more temptation's coming? And then more temptation's coming. The next thing you know, it's like you're on your phone. Well, let me click here a little bit. Let me click here a little bit. Come on, let's talk about it for a minute. 
The next thing you know, you know, you're under some stress or whatever. And the next thing you know, you're walking down a road that you don't belong down, that is not your identity, is not your nature. You have no peace. You feel like God is no longer right with you. Feel. I said feel. It's not the truth. You're a child of God, whether you're looking at pornography or not. Can I get an amen? amen. You're a child of God, whether you're lusting or not. Can I get an amen? amen. You're a child of God. 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 It's not stronger than the cross. We've got to realize that. But what we want to do is even in the midst of temptation, in the midst of challenge, we've got to pull this peace back. So when we leave today and Lily's crying, I'm not going to let it rob me of peace. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to stay in peace. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to speak more peaceably to my wife, to, my other ch- to, 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 to Ethan, to my other children. I'm going to drive with peace. When I finally eat, I'm going to eat with peace. When I see my dog, I'm going to operate in peace with my dog. You follow me? And here's the thing, guys. Like, this is open to all of us. So next week, try to find out what it is that robs you of peace. And when you find it out, write it down. Just pull your little phone out and get your notes out. Okay. This right here robbed me of peace. You know, simple things like, where are my keys? You know, I, you know I, I, one of the things that tries to rob me a piece is looking for stuff. I hate looking for stuff. Like, we have certain periods of our house that is organized that only my wife understands. None of us know how to find certain things. Like, nobody does. She is the only. And so when she sends me in to try to find something, that I mean, I have no peace. But how I many you know I don't have to be like that? Come on, help me out here. How I many you know I can pull my piece back? Everybody say voice activated. Voice activated. Voice activated. I'm the righteousness of God. I let not my heart be troubled, neither do I let it be afraid. Work on that this week. Work on that. And here's the thing. You're going to have moments when you do well. You're going to have moments when you mess up. I'm not trying to say, never think that you're going to be perfect in anything that you ever do. That's a bad mindset. It's a legalistic mindset. Uh, it, 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 there's ups and downs in everything in the kingdom. And, and if, you, if you try to be perfect in something, it can drive you into pride and it can also drive you into performance which frustrates grace. So just relax, okay? But at the same time, be aware of this and guard your heart. Can I get an amen? amen. And we're going to keep learning how to do this. We're going to keep... And then you can become a peacekeeper in your home, in your job. I mean, what does peaceful you look like? What does peaceful you like? Oh, it's so great. And here's the thing. When you walk in peace, listen to me, people treat you different. Oh, yeah, they do. When, when people can't make you mad, they treat you different. When people can't intimidate you, they treat you different. I'm talking about confidence. I'm not talking about pride and performance. I'm talking about, like, confidence. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Have your heart established in righteousness. Man, this is, this is a promise for you. It's a different way to live. Amen? Cool. All right. Angie, come up here and tell us cool stuff. And then if anybody needs to give an envelope this morning, lift your hand up. Our deacons will get one to you. Tim on the left.
Dan on the right. Amen. Those of you that are watching online, if you guys want to give into our ministry and support our ministry, you go to gracepointgeorgetown.com. Just want to say thank you to everybody that supports our ministry. We are grateful for you. Amen. So, Angie, tell us cool stuff. <laughs> well, let me start by saying I think you've been telling us some pretty cool stuff already. <laughs> Uh, we have a youth camp that's coming up in July, so it's going to be July 6th through the 9th. Uh, information's on the screen here, so go to revelationrock.org, is that right? So sign up your youth for that. I think they will have a blast. They do every year. Uh, those who love the beach, we're having a Myrtle Beach Conference, and that is June 21st through the 25th. So... I get, there's, is there information for that? There you go. There it is. Perfect. Um, and the property here, as you know, we have five acres, and sometimes it takes a little extra effort to make all those acreages look beautiful. And so we are asking for helpers. We need helpers to, uh, to mow this property. So if you're someone that would like to spend some time getting a tan on a mower, see Jeremiah or Tim, and, uh, you know, they'll let you know how you can help out. So that's all the cool news that I have for today. We will um, we'll dismiss now, and I'll just speak a blessing over you. But if anybody needs prayer for anything, please feel free to, to see myself or to see somebody else that's in this church. And, and uh, we want to give people opportunity for prayer, but I just want to speak a blessing over you. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Lord, I thank you that by your spirit you teach us how to operate in this peace this week, Lord. I've taught, Lord, by your spirit, but Lord, I thank you that you are the greatest teacher and you are a teacher that lives inside of us. Teach us, Father, how to be good at this. Let us conduct our lives in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Go in the peace and joy of the Lord. Uh, if you need prayer, see myself or those around you. Amen.